I wanna I wanna today uh, continue some of the thoughts we were working on last week. If you were here last week and. Um, just just emphasize some things. I'm really excited about this idea, and I think uh, it's very it's something that has developed and has become more and more true to me. And I was uh, just spending time with the Lord and putting some thoughts together. So I feel I have something. Let's go just by way of review and touch on a few things. I would like us to look at uh, two uh, scriptures to begin with: Philippians chapter one and six. And then we're also going to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 24, verse 6, uh, Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Amen. And uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 uh, and... and uh, Verse number 24, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. If you were here last week, we talked about how God is uh, the one who, if we see from the scriptures, he says he's the one who starts the work and he's also the one who finishes the work. He does not start and we finish. We don't start and he finishes. He himself starts and he himself finishes. He is both the author and the finisher of our faith. It hits a lot of buttons because it means that if he's the one starting and finishes, and finishes the work, then that means the work is not ours. And it also means that if he has called us, it is not to a work, but it is to something different. Amen? He's actually calling us not to a work, but to a fellowship. And we were talking about this idea of the fellowship and the finishing. Praise the Lord. It's interesting how God even uses the word calling. When you are with your work, uh, in your place of work, they don't call you, you apply and they either accept or reject you. But with God, He calls you. Meaning that if you are called, you were somewhere else and now you are brought near. He does not give you a task to go and fulfill and send an email with the finished assignment. He calls us primarily to a fellowship. And we talked about this idea that if we focus on the fellowship, God will focus on the finishing. It is our job to fellowship. It is His job to finish. And let's not get the two confused. Amen? Uh, because when He sent His Son and when He prepared this whole amazing gift of salvation, it was us that He was after. It wasn't a project. It wasn't an assignment. Uh, it was us he was after. It was a love relationship. I said last week that the Bible is not only a book of instruction, it is a love book. It is a love letter. Hallelujah. Deep calls to deep. It is a story of the lover and the beloved. I am my beloved's, beloved's and he is mine. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. The Bible describes it like this. He says, you are, I am the vine, Jesus speaking. I am the vine in John 15. You are the branches. And I have called you to go and bear fruit and fruit that will last. I am the vine. You are the branches. Go bear fruit. Now let me ask you this. If we are the branches and our assignment is to bear fruit, I am competing with construction. But you know, that's a, that's a good sign. Because the, the construction, that is the kind of noise we don't mind, amen. 
Hallelujah. We should just hear that and go home today. Hallelujah. Um, uh, we are called to bear fruit. Now, just basic agriculture, basic forestry. If I am a branch and I am called to bear fruit, should I be focusing more on the fruit or should I be focusing more on the vine? It's not a trick question. It's just basic forestry, agriculture. On the vine. Now, it's funny because many times we hear we are to bear fruit and we go and try to make fruit. But it is technically impossible for us to bear fruit by focusing on fruit. It is actually the opposite. Focusing on the vine and plunging deep into relationship with the vine. It causes the fruit to be, be, be plentiful. And the more we plug in here, the more fruit we bear over there. Praise the name of the Lord. Uh, I in you and you in me. Praise the Lord. Yes, I love. Yeah, so I'm, I'm making the case this week that what God really wants with us is us, period. He doesn't want us and our homework. He doesn't want us and the ministry. He takes the pressure off because that is not our responsibility primarily. It is His. We use the example of David. God told David, I am the one who took you from the shepherd's field and I've made you ruler over my inheritance. I am the one who took you from the... You did not do this yourself. You did not put your information on LinkedIn. Come on, somebody. You did not update your Instagram profile and get some favor, and now you're the king. I did this all by myself. I took you from here, and I put you there. God knows how to... The Bible says... Promotion does not come from the east or from the west. It is God who promotes. It is God who judges. And he causes one to rise and another to fall. If it's your time to sit, no amount of business card networking will get you where you need to go. But at the same time, if it's your time to rise, nothing in hell can keep you down. God is the judge. And when he brings you down, it's not for loss. Because if you are with him, you have been rewarded. Whether you are down or up. God told Abraham, he says, don't be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield and your very great reward. Meaning if I have him, I have been rewarded. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. No matter what condition I am, whatever I find myself in, if I have him, I have been rewarded. That's why when Paul and Silas found themselves, found themselves beaten and in prison, they could rejoice because they may have lost a lot of things, but they did not lose him. Ooh, hallelujah. Relationship is what we have been called to. Uh, uh, and it's the beautiful thing about this walk with God. Our walk with God is not the homework, the assignment, the how many souls even we were saved or how much good we, we do. We do do good works, don't get me wrong. But it flows out of His work through us. Not us trying to fulfill something for Him. Amen? Amen? Uh, when God saved us, He saved us out of hell out of a life that was destined for hell and brought us into a life that was destined for heaven. And that's partially true, but it's not fully true. Because when Jesus shed his blood and when God paid the heavy price of giving his one and only son, it was not for the purpose of getting us out of hell and putting us into heaven only. Misu, could we do that again? I'm using you because we did this with Misu because he's the best dressed in church today. <laughs> yeah? So, so when God saved us, 
He saw Misu. Misu's in hell. He sent his son. His son died on the cross and took Misu's place. Misu's sins are now forgiven. Now, Misu, you can go out of hell and come over here into heaven. Shake my hand. Shake my hand. Have a nice time that way. Yes. And Saleh, Saleh, congratulations. You see? Now, it's true. If we are in Christ Jesus, period, that's, that's, that's our ticket in, in, into, amen? If you don't have ticket, you don't get in. So it's true. But that's not the ultimate reason why he saved us. Not to take us from there to there. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 13 says that because of that precious blood of Christ and the, the fruit of the blood of Christ shed is that for those who were far away could be brought near. So we're not moving from one place to another. We're moving far away from somebody and now close to somebody. You see? We who were far away because of the blood of, of Christ have been brought near. So it was not from there to there. It was from there to here. Amen. You did that so good. Praise the Lord. We have brought, been brought near because of the blood of Jesus. So now... And because this is in place, God will step in and do the work on our behalf. We work on fellowship with him. And he works on finishing what he started in our lives. Amen? You can sit down. Thank you, Misu. Amen. So we're called to a fellowship. We're called to be with him. When Adam sinned, God did not say, Adam, what have you done? He said, Adam, where are you? It was a relationship we had that has now been broken. Where are you? There was two thieves, thieves that were crucified on the cross with Jesus. One on the right and one on the left. And one of, one of them insulted Jesus. But the other one looked at Jesus and said, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And pay attention to Jesus' words. Today I tell you the truth that you will be with me. In paradise. Notice the language. He didn't just say you will be in paradise. You will be with me. Do you know why he said that? Because the thing that makes paradise paradise. And the thing that makes heaven heaven. It's not just the streets of gold. It's not just the river of life. It's not just the pearly gates. It's not just Pastor Z's mansion. Which is right next to the river of life. Next to Apostle Paul and Peter in between. I've already reserved my plot. All right? You know, it's funny. Like some of you are laughing. I say that all the time. And someone, you know, these, we have prophetic people, you know. I was talking about my, my place. Ha, 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 ha. And they came and said, no, you're right. That's your place. <laughs> now, you don't have to believe that. I'm not saying that's the word of God. But I'm just saying, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> Can I tell you? Can I tell you a story? You know, one time me and my wife were reading this book about a guy who went to heaven. And, and, and you know, you, you don't take this as the word of God, but it's just... Okay? And we're reading this, and, and it, he talked about all of this stuff that it's not in the Bible, but it's, you know, kind of cool, but you, you don't, you know, like, like the, everything in heaven is so full of life that if you step on the grass... It just comes back right up. Because you know when, when grass on earth, when you step on it, it lies flat. But not in heaven because it's full of the life of God. There's no death in heaven. I thought, okay, that kind of theologically works. Okay. 
Then he talked about when he went to sit in a chair and the chair saw him coming and just adjusted so perfectly <laughs> that it was the most comfortable seat he ever had. Now, that, it doesn't say that in the Bible, but it does kind of say that in the Bible because he said, I go to prepare a place for you, not for him. You know, chairs are generic, but not in heaven. I prepare a place for you. So we're just reading this and it's getting a little bit okay. And then finally we got to this part where we just closed the book and we said, no, 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 stop. You know, because he talked about when he went into heaven and he walked into the warehouse of heaven. And, and the, in, in the warehouse of heaven, there was like, you know, like a supermarket. They have a row of, of, of items, food and things. But in heaven, it's, it's like body parts. Eyes you know, legs and whatever. And he asked, and Jesus was giving him the tour. And he asked, Jesus, what is this rose of whatever? And Jesus told him, no, when people believe for healing and miracles on earth, uh, the angels come and take the size and the color. <laughs> That's how healing happens. So we're reading this, right? And then we, uh, my, we, we just said, no, 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 that's enough. In Jesus. Now, you see, it's not true, but it's kind of true because he is a healer. And it doesn't say how he heals, and he doesn't have to say how he heals. Our job is to believe not the warehouse, but believe in Jesus. See, so, but we closed it. We said, that's enough. Now, we read that in the morning. And that evening, there was a prayer meeting. We went to the prayer meeting, and we used to have weekly prayer in our church. And, and we were praying, and we were having a good time. And, and, and there was a, a man of God there named Pastor Seifu. Some of you might remember. We used to go to the same church with Pastor Seifu. And we were praying, and everyone was in the spirit. Hallelujah. And then Pastor Seifu stood up and said, In the warehouse of God. In English. <laughs> now, you have to understand Pastor Seifu. I mean, he speaks English, but he barely speaks Amarinya. He has that koltafa stuff. So he said, in the warehouse of God, there's many rooms, many eyes, many ears, many... And me and my wife looked at each other. And we got on our knees and we began to repent. <laughs> we said, Jesus, if you want to have a warehouse, take all the warehouse you want. Now I'm way off my subject. My point is, <laughs> my point is that heaven is a wonderful place. They have warehouses in heaven. I have proof now. Eh? They have grass and they have chairs. And Oh yeah, the other one, the river of life. You go swim and it's not too cold. It's not too hot. Come on, somebody. And when you get out, you don't even need to dry yourself because the, the, the Lord himself makes you perfectly dry without the help of a towel. Okay, I'm not preaching that. I'm just saying. He said it in the book. But the thing that makes heaven heaven is him. And to be with him within eternity forever. The thief was told, I promise you today, you will be with me in paradise. You take him out and paradise is no longer paradise. Because we have been called not to a place, not to a location. We have been called to a relationship. Hallelujah. We have been called to a fellowship. And I want to take the pressure off somebody today who has been working so hard trying to fulfill the will of God, trying to fulfill the plan of God for your life. And I would like to just encourage you just to enjoy your relationship with your father. Hallelujah. I in you and you in me. Amen. Now, it's important to understand some of the principles of fellowship. 
before we get into fellowship, because if we don't understand how fellowship works, it could create problems for us. And I want to talk about that a little bit with the time that we have. Okay, the principle of fellowship is basically this. All right? That the, in the, that's, that it goes like this. Is that the fellowship that I have with others will never be greater than the fellowship that I have with myself. The fellowship that I have with God will never be greater than the fellowship that I have with myself. So every fellowship of any kind will always begin with a fellowship with myself. All right? Did, that, did, you, did you get that? This is just how, 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 how it works. So it's impossible then, if we've been called to a fellowship with God, it's impossible to have a fellowship with God if I have not figured out how to have a proper fellowship with myself. All right. Um, could we put that, that thing up, please? I, I made a, a small thing at halftime yesterday. There we go. Okay, so this is me, others, and God. And you can see the lines are connecting all three of them. Okay, so what the point I'm trying to make today is that whatever I, relationship I have with others will never be greater than the relationship that I have with myself and the relationship that I have with God will never be greater than the relationship that I have with myself. So I have to figure out this thing called the relationship that I have with my with myself. Now, Jesus is funny, like the Lord understood our need and he understood our weakness, and so he provides the remedy and the solution for the relationship that I have with myself. Number one, let me just show how this works. In the relationship with others, James chapter 4, verse 1, it says that what causes fights and quarreling among you? Don't they come from your own desires that rage within you? Did you see that? James 4.1. So whatever is going on with them, it's not them, it's me. All right? Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 21 and 22. Um, uh, it says, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your own minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. So verse 21 says, once you were alienated from God eh, and enemies in your own minds because of your evil behavior. This means that if I am an enemy in my own mind, I am alienated from God. At the same time, it also means that if I am healed in my Am I no longer an if I am no longer an enemy in my own mind, I am no longer alienated from God. There is always a connection with the two. Okay, let me give you an example. You're looking at me funny. Okay, let's say I'm doing fine today, but tomorrow morning I wake up. That's, that's some warehouse anointing. Did you see that? Praise the Lord. I'm doing fine this morning. Tomorrow morning I wake up, I go to the mirror, I look, and in Jesus' name. 
there is a big pimple that just grew up overnight on my, on my face. I have teenage girls. I know what I'm talking about. All right? Lord, what do we do about this? Now the mirror is telling me, eh, you can't go back out there because people will see. And they will, So what do we do? We do all the credit. No, it's making it worse. And they always tell you, don't touch those things. Because when you touch it, you'll make it worse. Okay, basically, go ahead, touch all your pimples, all you want. Mm. Now, so now you try to do it, but it's still there, and you, time, it's time to go. So now you go out and face the day. And you're facing people, friends, colleagues, co-workers. And now, because you know something about yourself that they might know or might not know until you get too close, you're very hyper-fighting and an enemy within yourself. And because you're an enemy with yourself, I'll come to her to you and she says, Hi, how are you? And I say, Oh, I'm fine. How are you doing? Oh, come look at me straight. No, 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 leave me alone. So now Atui says, what's wrong with him? Nothing's wrong with me, leave me alone. Now I am making an enemy, not because there's anything wrong with her, because there's something wrong with me. All right? And now I am alienated or I'm causing fights and quarreling because I am unresolved in my own self because of this thing that came overnight. Now I use that as an example, but we do this in our relationship with God. When we say, let's pray, now prayer how we approach the presence of god we come in very many different flavors every time if i did all of the outreach fed, fed all of the homeless in all of Addis Ababa, and did fasting and prayer and did not even eat a thing for three days now i come into the presence of god i say hallelujah god it's me but if if and if that's you i mean i really would like to shake your hand but the rest of us, we struggled with anger, with bitterness. The person cut us off in traffic. That lust demon came and had a battle with that the other day. Then my boss told me I didn't love me. Now I come to the presence of God. All right? Now I'm no longer the champion that I was. Not because there's anything wrong with God. But there's something wrong with me. Now what, the, what, what Christ Jesus did, the second part of Colossians 2, it, it heals not my relationship with God. And the blood of Jesus does not heal my relationship with others. The blood of Jesus heals my relationship with myself. Colossians 1 says that, that, that uh, formerly we were alienated from God and enemies in our own minds because of our evil behavior. But now God has reconciled us by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy and blameless in his sight. What does that mean? It means that God or Christ Jesus, put that, put that next slide. Oh man, I forgot to do about this. Okay, yeah, this is good. So if everything is off with me, everything is off with men, and everything is off with God. Next slide. What the blood of Jesus does is it, you know, we many times say that Jesus came and reconciled us to God. And he did. But how did he rec reconcile us to God? He reconciled us to God by reconciling me to myself. It says once we were an enemy, uh, uh, alienated from God and enemies in our own minds. But now God has reconciled us by Christ's physical body through death. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I am reconciled to myself. Next slide. Okay. That's what happens first. That's why the Bible says the blood of Jesus in Hebrews 10 and Hebrews 11, uh, Hebrews 10 and Hebrews 9, that the blood of Jesus cleanses the conscience, hallelujah, from acts that lead to death so that we can serve the living God. The blood of Jesus has come as an antidote not to my relationship with God, but as a help for my relationship with myself. Hallelujah. So that when I see myself, I no longer see myself through the mirror. 
But I see myself through the blood. And the blood says without blemish and free from accusation. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So now next, next picture. Okay. So when that is healed, what happens is my relationship with others is healed. And through that, God shows up. And this way also, um, my relationship with God is healed. And so too is my relationship with others. Have you noticed I have like arrows going both ways? I did this myself, half time. Now, if you look... It, 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 the, the healing with myself, it's the answer to every other relationship, both with God and man. And it doesn't matter which way we go, it all gets healed going this way, and it gets help going this way. But before we get into this, I think it's good to declare something, all of us as a church. We did this in Amarinya. Because we, we are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. We have to say something about what the blood has done for our lives. We have to say something about what the blood... So I want us to do something and just by way of confession together. Is that okay? Yes. Can, we, can we do this right hand in the air and just declare what the blood is? Say, today I declare that though I am weak, He is strong. His blood cleanses me now from every sin from every guilt from every shame and I am reconciled now to myself in Jesus name how did that feel? praise the Lord amen you feel that? I feel kind of good you should say that to yourself all the time. So when that is healed, whatever was bothering me with other people no longer bothers me with other people. If it's done right. In fact, the fruit that I have been reconciled with God is evidence in my relationship with others. That's the proof. That's the litmus test. Otherwise, we're just being hypocritical. The proof is that I have been reconciled with, with others. And others have been reconciled with me. And God shows up. If we go this way... All right? It will take us to there. If we go this way, it will take us to there. Bitcha, we're all... Hallelujah. I'll give you an example. The Bible says where two or three agree, I am right there in the midst. Right? Praise the Lord. The Bible says they were all in one accord on the day of Pentecost. One accord. They were together. What does that mean? They were not fighting, church. They were all in one accord, and suddenly, God showed up by way of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. It goes this way too. The Bible says the woman at the well in Samaria, Jacob's well, John chapter 4, she had all kinds of issues with people, five husbands. All right? But then Jesus revealed himself to her over here. And after Jesus revealed himself to her, Boom, she went running to the town. And she told everybody, come see a man. And then they came and saw a man. And they said, now we believe not just because you have told us, but because we have seen for ourselves. See, you do like that. Everybody do that. Yeah. Emmaus Road. The two disciples were upset and were walking away from the people. But Jesus revealed himself. He broke the bread and he revealed himself to them. And immediately, he went running back to the people. And when they went running back to the people, God showed up in the middle of the people again. Jesus showed up right in the middle. 
I know you might hit somebody, so just maybe do a small one like that. So when being, being uh, healed in our relationship with ourselves, it goes far. But it's important also that we understand that this is not like a mental, mental conclusion that we reach. Because you can understand the story of how Jesus died for you and he shed his blood for you and now you are saved. And it still does not heal the fight that you have inside because the, that, that, that healing is actually a work of the Holy Spirit. It's not a, uh, I mean, it's convincing and it works. And when you believe you are saved, but the full revelation of God's love, it's not an intellectual process. It is a spiritual process. That's why the Bible said God, that's why God gave us the Holy Spirit so that we could know what we don't know. The Holy Spirit comes after the blood. And what the Holy Spirit does is he reveals to us the things that we don't know. And when a real revelation from Jesus comes, it doesn't give us information. It brings transformation. It changes who we are. It changes who, from, from what a person who knew certain things to a person who has become certain things. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's how, come the, that's how the woman could run to the well, uh, run from the well to the city, and how the Emmaus disciples could run. Jesus didn't say, it is me, now go find somebody. Are you following what I'm saying? He revealed himself and they could not help but go find somebody. Praise the Lord. The evidence of God's work in your life is reflected in your relationship with others. Mm. Mm. 1 John 1 verses 1 to 3. 1, 1, 1 to 3. Um, it kind of explains this really well. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim to you concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testify to it. We proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard in order that you might have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Okay. Now, did you see that? Notice the circles. We're talking about what the Lord has showed us, what we have heard, what we have seen, what we have touched. Then he says, we have proclaimed this to you so that you might have fellowship with us. Oh, very good. And, the, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Which means that, go back to the diagram. So what they're saying is God has revealed something to me. And it caused us to have fellowship with you. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We have write, written this to make our joy complete. So we're not called to an assignment per se. We're not called to a task. And isn't it funny in the body of Christ how much and how, how many times the calling or the mission um, uh, affects or our pursuit of the mission affects the relationships we have with one another. Isn't it funny how the mission many times becomes the very thing that causes us to fall out of fellowship with one another? And I think it's because we've been building backwards. Hmm? The mission of God is a love mission. It's not a project mission. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 that the, blood of the, the, the Holy Spirit has been shed abroad in our hearts. The love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. 
Praise the Lord. The vision and the project and the phases of construction has not been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Uh oh. I just delivered somebody right there. The love of God mm, has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. If Holy Spirit comes to me, he is on a love assignment, not a mission assignment. And if it seems like a mission, it's because there's love on the other side. Because the Bible says Philip was doing a great project in Samaria in Acts chapter 8. But God said, Philip, it's time to go down to the road, the Gaza road, the south road. Because there is somebody there that is waiting for you. So God called him out of project and into relationship. And he found the Ethiopian eunuch there in Acts chapter 8. I feel like running right about now. But what happened? The Holy Spirit said, go up and st- uh, uh, run next to the, the chariot. And when he got in the chariot, the man was already halfway there and the circle started. And the Holy Spirit revealed himself to the Ethiopian. Ethiopian means African. By the way, somebody say amen. amen. Somebody say amen. So God caused him to leave project to find a relationship because the love of God is the mission. Amen. Big city is left behind for one relationship. The Bible says Apostle Paul was trying to go to Bithynia and the Spirit of Jesus would not allow him to go. Then go to Galatia. The Spirit of Jesus fought him. And at night he had a vision that said, a man from Macedonia say, come and help me. And they went to Macedonia because the Holy Spirit was leading them there. And when he got there, there was a big building project that God says, now start your construction right here, Paul. No, there was somebody there waiting for him. And the Bible says that her heart was opened to the message that Paul was preaching and she was saved together with her household. He left the project, he left the mission, he left the evangelistic program to find somebody and to start the circles. Amen. Uh, Am I doing okay? I think the biggest one of all is found in Acts chapter 10 where Peter just had the most amazing, miraculous... He raised the lame man uh, 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 from his paralyzed situation and he raised Dorcas from the dead and now he's the hero of the whole of, 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 of uh, wherever he was by the sea, Joppa, lying down on the bed, taking a rest and waiting for food to be prepared but he called it praying. <laughs> That's how we, that's a little, you don't understand, that's minister's secret. <laughs> and the Lord visited him. And he caused him to leave the revival, leave the project, leave the rest to go find somebody. To start the circles. Because what's been shed abroad in our hearts is not a project, it's the love of God. Hallelujah. So whatever project we have for God, if it's not first bathed in the love of God, it is nothing. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels... But have not love. I am a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all knowledge and mysteries, but have not love, I am nothing. But Meaning that project, ministry, gifts, calling, assignments, uh, work, it is beautiful, it is good. But if it does not, it's not preceded by love, the Bible says I might as well write that off because I did not come for project. I did not save you for a calling. I did not save you for a mission. I saved you because I wanted you. The Greek word is anjet. The Greek word is anjet. Tell your neighbor anjet. You don't understand. I just preached this in Amarinya. They got anjet. Anjet means intestines. 
in the West, and we love everybody. This is an international church. Everybody's welcome. But let me explain something about where we happen to live right now. The West, they love all the way down to the heart. That's why you get hearts on Valentine's Day. That's why heart is the international symbol of love. But here, the heart is not the international symbol of love. In this part of the world, the international symbol of love is anjet. Translation, intestines. When, when we are touched deeply to the core of the very heart of our being, mm, mm, we don't stop here, my brother. No, 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 no. That's too shallow. We go all the way down to the intestines. In fact, if you really love somebody, yeah, you call them anjet. Or you make it personal. Anjete. That means my intestines. You are my intestines. I know it sounds kind of gross, but work with us. That's why if you go to a funeral in the West, we're very disciplined. I just came from England. Hmm. Very posh and tight-lipped. There was a funeral actually there, and praise the Lord. The Lord hath giveth, and the Lord hath taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Cheerio, mate. Now, same funeral in this part of the world. Excuse me. When I, I remember, like, you know, it was like a cultural class. My, my father's best friend was a man named Bob Schmidgall. He was white. And we ministered in Chicago together. He passed away about 20-some years ago. And it was very shocking, but it's white, and it's American. So the funeral, now, it's, it's, it was, the funeral was a cultural clash. And what they have in, in America, for those of you who don't know, is they have what they call a viewing and everybody stands in line and gets, and then they come and they look, and then and they walk by this way, usher, take you out that way, and then the next person comes. So when Abba came to the funeral, Abba doesn't come from that world of tight lip. So Abba ran all the way from the door, and he dove, actually dove into the casket. And starts wailing and screaming and people try to calm him down. But it was actually quite relieving because when every, everyone knows the relationship. When everybody saw him, then everybody cried from their anjit. Which means that everybody has an anjit. You're just covering up with your, with your diplomacy. No diplomacy when it comes to deep anjit. No diplomacy. No, no, no. cultural clash. But this is the thing I like. The Bible says when Zechariah was describing the mercy of God and the salvation that was wrought for us, he says, and you, my son, will go forth as a prophet of the Most High. And it is because of the tender mercies of our God that he has wrought forth our salvation. The word tender mercies in the Greek word, that word tender, guess what word it is? Anjet. Now, I understand Anjet from our own personal perspective. But when you come to consider that God himself has an Anjet, or that God feels from the place of Anjet, that's a game changer, isn't it? Because he is not your headmaster at school. 
with a cross eyes and waiting for you to mess up so he can he loves you with the anjet love of God the cross is a picture of how far God went to save your soul not because he was interested in fulfilling a quota but because he loved you from his anjet hallelujah Praise the Lord. Not only did he love you, but he loved you so much that he chose to make provision for you to be healed in your relationship with yourself. So that you could in turn love him freely back. I in you and you in me. May the Lord heal all of us. May even beyond what I'm preaching today, may the Holy Spirit communicate by the Holy Spirit the love of God in each of our hearts. Because all of our work is coming short if it's not preceded by the love of God. I don't care how noble or how great your accomplishments and your achievements are. If it's not done in love, it's missing the mark. And today, may the Lord heal all of us to fall in love again and again with Him. To see the love of God shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen, amen? amen. Praise the Lord. Could we just bow our heads? <clears throat> The Lord taught us a big lesson, and I share this in VIP, and it's something I, I think everyone should know. Because this is where our core values come from, I think it's good for us to be reminded as a church. When we started our ministry, we had a lot of experience in ministry for many years. All of our years combined was a lot. And there was, it seemed like whenever God called us to ministry, it was a bit of a challenge because it seemed like he was on the side also calling us to a fight. Because we've seen a lot of pain in church, in the name of God, in the house of God. And we were almost nervous to start again. Start Beza again. Based on the evidence of all of our experience. Typically what happens is we start with a great vision, a great plan. And after a few months or a few years, we don't get along. Someone doesn't like what somebody did and whatever. And everything falls apart. And people get hurt. People get broken. Families get affected. And, and this has been the cycle for many of us in ministry. And the Lord spoke to us when we were starting. And he said, the problem is that you have put ministry before relationship. And he said, you put re relationship first because that's your job, not mine. And leave ministry to me because that's my job, not yours. And so what we did, we had nobody, we had nothing, just a few of us. And we, the leadership, we made a decision that you know, just made a, an agreement, a covenant agreement that we would just stick together. That the ministry demands would not get more important than our relationship demands. And we just decide that whatever happens, even if we don't understand or don't like, we will stick together in Jesus' name. Now, I'm not saying that we are perfect or that we mastered this by any means, but that's been the goal. And it's funny because it's, it, it, when I look sometimes at what God has done in the ministry, when I look at all of you and when I look at what God has done, it's a testimony to me not how good we are but how good God is and reminds me that God is building. Many times I meet with pastors and everyone seems to be complaining about their church, their church members. And I feel like God has cheated with me because we have the, I feel like blessed, most blessed church, most blessed church members. You did not do that and I did not do that. God did that. And I am mindful that what God said, that if you work on the relationship, just leave the ministry to me. And I just want to encourage you that whatever challenge you might be having today, just, just go back to the love of God. Ask the Lord to reveal His love for you. Ask God to touch you by the Holy Spirit and shed that love in your heart again. Because it's a deep, deep love relationship that God was after.
He wasn't after a building project. He wasn't after a ministry. He wasn't after your, a career. He wasn't after your good deeds. He was after the love, a love relationship. I in you and you in me. Praise the name of the Lord forever.